welcome to The Hive Podcast, a show that helps inspire you to pursue your passions and ambitions. My name is Jared Spink and I'm your host. I'm a photographer, videographer, and entrepreneur. Join me as I sit down with other entrepreneurs and creators to learn more about their process, how they've built communities around their brands, and the experiences they've had along the way. I hope that these conversations inspire you to pursue your goals. You're listening to The Hive Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of The Hive Podcast. Thanks for listening each and every week. This week's guest is visiting the uh, the podcast all the way, I could say, from the future because it's a totally different day where she's at. Uh, Felicia Smith is on the podcast today, joining us all the way from Melbourne, Australia. She's a very talented creator, uh, photographer, and DP. Felicia, welcome to the to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a a to- it's just it's kind of weird just that it's a totally different day where you're at. Yeah, yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's it's definitely strange trying to schedule things like this. Um, I've had a couple a number of meetings recently as well that have been very difficult to schedule, especially now that you guys are on your daylight saving. No, you're going into winter. So the times have changed again, makes it even more difficult, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Cause uh, it's a totally different season over there too, right? Let's mm-hmm. see if it's, if it's, we're going into winter, you'd be going into we're summer. We're going into summer. It's, it's going to be 30 midweek and, um, I'm not looking forward to it. I hate summer. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been to Australia once, but I've only been during the winter, but it was still pretty nice. Went, went yeah. to Sydney. Our winters are really mild compared to yours. (laughs) Of course, the one time I went, uh, I went during like the worst rain you guys have (laughs) ever got. At least, I mean, I know Melbourne's a lot, pretty far from Sydney, but it rained nonstop. I think there was an area that was flooded the size of Texas, which is a (laughs) giant state here in the States. But uh, yeah, mild winters. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Felicia, um, you know, I, I briefly introduced you as, as a photographer and a DP, but maybe give the listeners a little uh, uh, insight into who you are and, and what you do. Sure. Uh, so I started as a camera assistant. That was that was where I got my start. Um, and I did that for about five years. And then I made the jump to DP. And around that same time, I decided I would start a YouTube channel. It was just something to fill in time, um, which has been a lot of fun. It's been an interesting challenge to to try and get videos out every week, especially when you're working as a freelancer. It can be really difficult, um, but it's been good. It's been fun, and I've been doing that for a good couple of years now. And I've been DPing for about three, so all in all, eight years in the industry. Uh, also doing photography on the side, at, you know, on occasion. But yeah, it's um, it's been fun. What What would you say? I'm curious to. Um how you're going to answer this, but what would be some of the main differences or, or big differences between being uh, someone that actually works in the industry as a DP and then, you know, making YouTube content? Cause it's not, it's not, oh. it's nowhere the same, right? No, it's not. It's really, really, really not. Um, and there is, it's strange cause there is a lot of information out there on YouTube from people who do claim to be in the industry and have industry knowledge, but those videos don't really, they don't really correlate. What they're saying doesn't really correlate to the industry itself. Um, and even, I mean, what I say sometimes doesn't even correlate to somebody who lives on the other side of the world in the industry as well. So I always preface my videos by saying, hey, I'm from Australia. This is how we do it here. Uh, you may 
do it differently where you are because everybody's industry is slightly different. Um, but there are a lot of people in terms of like YouTube versus career filmmaking and career working in the film industry. There are a lot of people um, on YouTube who do work in the industry as well as do YouTube. And I think that their video content is a lot more valuable than, you know, just somebody who's just picked up a camera. I mean, yes, those people do have valuable content, but in terms of actually career filmmaking, you really need to find somebody who who has that experience behind them. Yeah, I, I agree. There There is a big difference when you, you're taking in content and information from someone that, you know, has uh, practical firsthand experience into what they're sharing. So how did you get into the filmmaking industry? And you've been working for a DP now for a number of years, as you mentioned. So how did you kind of uh, find your way into that? Um, it's funny because I'm still actually trying to get uh, to where I want to be. Like that's kind of everybody's goal and it takes a long time. It definitely doesn't take eight years. It takes a lot longer than that. Um, but the way I kind of started, like where I got my um, my inspiration to join the film industry or where I where I actually started working? Well, let's start with your inspiration and then we'll go with uh, where you started working. Okay. Um, when I was probably 14, I think it would have been, at high school. Uh, they do uh, like a, a week's worth of work experience that you that you do as a part of part of your studies. Uh, and everybody was doing boring stuff. They were all going to like supermarkets or, or to an office. And I'm like, I don't want to sit in an office. What? No. Um, so I, I went away and I'm like, well, what can I do? I had a whole bunch of ideas that I, I could possibly do. Uh, and one of them was film. And I was like, well, maybe, maybe there's a film studio that, that wants an intern or something for a week. Um, and I went away with my dad and had a look at a couple of places and we sent a few emails off. Uh, the careers counselor at the school was like, you're never going to find anything. What about doing graphic design or something like that? I'm like, no, 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 I'm going to do film. No. <laughs> so we found a place. I ended up going to uh, luckily a, a post house. Um, and I got to sit down and, and, um, watch people editing bigger commercials, but then also I got to edit in some smaller, like, uh, almost like, um, not really commercials with any footage. It was more just like logo, um, logo reel kind of things that go okay. after credits and things. Anyway, yeah. I got to edit a few things, which was pretty cool, but I also got to meet a DP, uh, and that DP, I was kind of like, oh yeah. Yeah, this is what I want to do. Um, so I, I kind of knew that I wanted to do something camera related uh, from that point onwards. And then, yeah, from there I just studied. I, I found whatever I could to study. So I uh, I did a certificate and then I did a diploma and then I went and deferred for a year and I worked for a year as an assistant. And then I ended up uh, going back and doing like the, the degree, the bachelor course of that, which was just one year. Um in my opinion, not really worth it. I probably could have just kept assisting. Um, that would have been totally fine. But yeah, um, that's kind of how I, I fell into it. I, I, I had this passion to do it. I studied and then jumped straight into assisting freelance uh, at the same time as having, you know, a day job and stuff. But yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't say you fell into it. It sounds like you worked really hard to get into it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a lot of, a lot of the jobs that you get, um, in film are luck. It's kind of a, who, you know, and, um, yeah, I, I kind of feel like I've been handed a lot of good opportunities 
up until now. So it, it's been a good run. It is an, uh, one specific opportunity to kind of stand out that really helped you along. Um, yeah, I think so. So it's not even, it's not even an assisting job or anything like uh-huh. that. I actually, um, I met two people who work in equipment rentals, um, on an, on an excursion for, uh, the bachelor degree. So we went in and we went into the rental house and we learned about, uh, high speed cameras, I think it was. Uh, and I had one, I had the manager's business card in my, in my wallet for a good year. And then I was in a dead end, horrible day job and, uh, pulled out that, that card. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to send an email, sent an email. He sent an email back within a couple of hours. Um, just saying, Hey, yeah, come down, say hi. Um, so I went down there. I was like, Nope, if I don't do it now, I'll never do it. So I ran out the door and I went down to Port Melbourne and I said, hello. Um, and a couple of weeks later I had a job and that kind of opened up, you know, as a prep tech that opened up opportunities to, uh, meet other assistants, um, which opened up more jobs. Uh, and then I kind of got, I got access to the gear. So I got really good with all types of cameras and I know them like the back of my hand. It's, it was a really good stepping into the industry, uh, properly up until then. I, I mean, I had, you know, a lot of freelance jobs, but you know, most of them were, uh, lower end budget, uh, independence and, and music videos and that sort of stuff. But when I started working there, I started getting the commercials. I started getting, you know, TV dramas and features and, and that's where things started. The ball started rolling faster. That's a really cool experience because that just goes to show all the listeners that, I mean, you have the power to make things happen for yourself. You just got to, you got to take a chance and just put yourself out there for those opportunities to come. So that's, that's a really cool experience. So you mentioned um, a little earlier when we were talking about how you, you, you could have just stayed assisting and learned probably more, um, probably quicker. Uh, You, you had an interesting video I was looking at on your YouTube channel about uh, what, what they don't teach you, I think it might've been called or what they, or what, what I think I have a couple I can't of remember the like exact, <laughs> something like that. Right. Yeah. So what, what are some of the things that you feel are lacking in film school that they're not really teaching for real world experience that, you know, someone needs to know to be successful in the industry? Um, not necessarily to be successful, but to be organized. Um, okay. you, you need to know, <laughs> You need to know how the tax system works. You need to know all of that boring business end stuff and they don't teach you it, uh, which I find really frustrating. I can't make a video on it. Well, I haven't found the right way to word it yet um, because things are so different and most of my audience is from the US. So how am I to know how their system is and compared gotcha. to mine? And But yeah, I think that's one thing that they don't teach that they should teach because um, if you mess it up, you can get into a lot of trouble. Uh, you can find it difficult to get back on track. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just it's so important. I just, I don't understand why they don't teach it. Yeah. I, I see that as a big lack too. Um, just not only probably in film schools, but just in information when you're, it's, it's very difficult even here in the States to research the proper way to do things as, as a freelancer. Um, working in the industry. There's just not a lot of information and, and it's hard to ask for advice because everybody kind of does things slightly different or has their, uh, their yeah. own way of doing it, you know? Yeah. So it's, uh, it's kind of weird how you, how you have to find your way through that kind of maze. Mm. Um, there was another video I was watching that was really 
interesting. Um, I hadn't quite finished it before I jumped on the call, so maybe we can talk about it now. Yeah. And it was the your you were highlighting the differences, and and I don't think a lot of people realize that there are differences between a videographer, a DP, and um, a filmmaker. So what yeah. are the differences? Because I, I think the majority of people would feel like that all goes hand in hand. It's it's the same thing, but but it's not. No, there are minor differences. I've seen <laughs> I've seen a number of um, ads for people looking uh, for somebody to shoot let's just say a music video or a short film uh, and they're asking for a videographer and it's like, oh, that's not quite what you're after there. I think you're after for nope. a, you're after a DP there. Uh, <laughs> um, but in terms of like just the basic differences, I will preface this by saying, you know, videographers can shoot commercials. They can shoot like people who call themselves a videographer. They can do that. But videography mm-hmm. itself um that is more corporates, internal videos, um, uh, uh, real estate videos, that sort of jam. And when you do say, when you say videographer, usually they're looking for somebody who does the filming and does the editing. That's yeah, kind of like a one-stop shop, right? Yeah, that's the main thing. That's why I don't call myself a videographer because I don't edit. I edit my YouTube videos and that's it. Um, I'm terrible at it. They're all jump cuts. I, pff, I'm not an editor. Um, now... DP and cinematographer, to be honest, it's it's kind of interchangeable for me, I think. Um, I feel like cinemato- uh, cinema- cinematographer has a bit more gravitas to it, so I feel like it has a bit more, um, like, y- you need to you need to kind of reach a certain level before you call yourself a cinematographer. Okay. Um, that's just me, though. A lot of people in my comments were like, no, I think it's a little different. It's, they weren't saying you're wrong. And that's what I like about my audience. They don't, they're not like, you're wrong. Here's why. Um, they're like, no, over here, we say it like this because of X, Y, Z, um, which is really cool. But yeah, uh, beside the point, cinematographer and DP, I think are kind of interchangeable anyway. It's not really, there's not really much difference, but I know that, you know, different industries different over the world, they uh, treat things differently. Over here, usually the DP is camera operating as well. Uh, sometimes you'll have a second operator. It really does depend on the job. Uh, or you'll have uh, the DP sitting behind a monitor and, and somebody else operating, but that's kind of rare. Uh, yeah, most of the time it works like that. But I know that overseas, because that, that role is sometimes split, that those two different um, you know, uh, terms of DP and cinematographer do get split up. But yeah. How would you describe the difference between a, to someone that, that isn't in the industry that doesn't know the difference between a videographer and a DP, how, how would you describe the differences between the two? Very basically, I'd just say that videographers do editing as well. That's oh, gotcha. really the easiest way to say it um, mm-hmm. because then most of the job is kind of the same thing uh, except for the fact that obviously a videographer is also kind of kind of doing everything themselves. They're also doing sound or they at least have a basic knowledge in sound and they can mm-hmm. do that. Um, but yeah, that, that, they're the main differences there. And then we go on to filmmaker, right? I think that was the last one that you had yeah. in that video. So how can you wrap that up? Filmmaker, uh, anybody can call themselves a filmmaker. I, I think people get hung up on terms too much. Um, I don't necessarily call myself a filmmaker because filmmaker to me kind of denotes that you're doing a bit of everything as well and you're a bit more grassroots kind of um, independent, doing a knowing a little bit of every single role, um, yeah, and able to manage that all together. That's 
that's not what I do. I just shoot. So, yeah, that's that's how I describe filmmaker. Yeah. It's a bit of everything. I'm, I'm right there with you. With it, I think a lot of people read too much into the titles. Uh, I always just say I just shoot stuff with cameras. Yeah, but that's it. That, that's yeah. what I do. I just use cameras and shoot stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's, that's uh, well. Thanks for going into that. I thought that was a really interesting video. And for you guys that want to learn a little bit more about the differences, um, that video even though I haven't finished it, is really good. So go check out Felicia's channel. Of course, it'll be linked down in the show notes. So let's talk about now um, your journey into YouTube and, and kind of how that started. You uh, you said it kind of just it kind of just started because you, you needed something to fill the time? It was just to fill extra time, really. But also it was kind of, don't take this the wrong way, but it was kind of because there were too many dudes in the area. So it's just like, no, I'm sick, of, I'm sick of having a guy tell me how to use a camera. I'm going to make some videos about cameras and stuff. Uh, and then I just started. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I definitely, um, that, I mean, that's how I found your channel is, is a, a good um, uh, fellow creator, a friend of mine, um, Tom Buck, who, who is a, is a great YouTuber, has a, uh, numerous podcasts, uh, was kind of talking about how the, the gender gap in YouTube, especially within the filmmaking niche. And he linked down a bunch of, uh, really awesome, uh, female creators in the show notes. And that's how I found you. And so I thought it'd be great, great to have, have you on. So that's really interesting that you, that was a motivating factor for you to yeah. kind of start, start the, the channel. Yeah. Um, what kind of community has developed around your channel? Um, it's been interesting. At, at the start of the channel, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was kind of copying what other people were doing. Uh, so, you know, I'd, I'd go and look at, I don't know, Peter McKinnon or something like that. That's just, mm-hmm. that's a pretty bad example. But I'd, I'd go with them, go and look at that, those sort yeah. of videos. I'd be like, okay, well, what what is he doing? Oh, tips and tricks. Yeah, okay, I can do something like that. Um, and then I kind of... I, I did one video that kind of found the audience inadvertently, uh, which was going through a camera assistance bag and just pulling things out and being like, hey, this this is a pretty cool thing to have in your bag. This is great. This is great. This is great. Um, and it wasn't even my bag. It was my friend's bag that I borrowed because um, <laughs> I had finished assisting by then. But um, everybody loved it. it. It just somehow took off. And then I found a lot of um, my audience became either people who wanted to get into the industry or like new budding camera assistants who had just gotten in and they didn't really know much. Um, And that's kind of where the audience started to form. I think I started to find a niche within a niche, if it it is. Um, It's kind of, yeah, filmmaking or or film industry tips um, from somebody who is in the film industry instead of just, you know, tips and tricks about how to use a tripod yeah. or how to use you know, this camera or whatever. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of how the, the audience formed that video kind of sparked everything off. And then I found that niche and started working that direction and, and nurturing that audience. Yeah. I think, uh, you started off uh, like a lot of people do. I mean, we all find inspiration. We take inspiration from other creators, right. To, to start getting, um, our feet wet a little bit. And then we start developing our, our own style and our own, kind of a way of doing things. And it really comes across as authentic once you, you find that, that rhythm and then things start to just explode. And it sounds like your channel and the community around it has uh, really developed since you found kind of uh, your way in making your own style of videos. So how um, you, you may have mentioned it already, but how long, how long have you been doing YouTube? Oh man. 
Um, that's a good question. I've been doing it a couple of years now. I can actually tell you if I jump on my channel, but I'm pretty sure it was like t two years, maybe maybe just over two years. But yeah, it's um, it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, it, it uh, it's a long time in YouTube years. It really 20, is. There you go. Twenty eighteen. That's when I started the channel. So, uh, what have been your favorite videos to make for for your audience? Um, good question, man. Um, I think my favorite videos. I really like showing people what they can do with new bits of gear. Um, I think that's even though it doesn't really fit like the the new camera assistant vibe. Um, I like showing people like, hey, here's this new bit of gear I've got. Let's look at something practical about it. Because that's, I mean, there's a lot of videos on YouTube when new gear comes out uh, where it's just like tech specs. Here they are. Yep. And we Great. get flooded with that. See you later. Right? <laughs> like that's, that's kind of boring. <laughs> Let's see what you can practically do with that camera or practically do with that monitor or whatever. Um, and kind of learn from that and see how, how it can be useful to somebody else's project. Maybe somebody's watching that and they go, oh, well, I don't know if this is going to quite suit what I'm doing. And then, you know, they see the video and they're like, oh yeah, it might, it might actually work or no, it's, it's not going to work for me instead of just hearing tech specs and not really seeing how it works. Mm -hmm. Um, I enjoy doing those videos, but yeah, I mean, I also enjoy, uh, making the videos based around, uh, film industry tips that, that nobody really talks about. It's like insider knowledge kind of things. Like, uh, I did, uh, a couple of videos where it's like, not what, what not to do on a film set. Um, or, you know, things along the along the lines of that where um, it's things that you wouldn't know until it's too late. Um, yeah, they're, they're enjoyable as well because it's kind of like I don't, I don't want people to experience these things, so I'm going to make a video about it and hopefully people don't fall into these traps. What, so I got to ask now, since you brought it up, what are those traps? What what are <laughs> oh, the things you so shouldn't many. do on set? What are the top two? Um, I did a video recently about, um, specifically traps in job advertisements. So if you're looking uh, online for film work, um, some of the traps, man, what, what we got, um, the terminologies that they use. So things like, uh, young and energetic, uh, kind of a red flag because you don't have to be young to take that job. That's kind of ageist. Uh, but also, um, the fact that they're saying like, you know, they're trying to put all these buzzwords in there that they're looking for somebody very, very specific, but really they're just looking for somebody that they can walk all over. Um, they're looking that for somebody so that true. they can underpay, that so you know? True. Yeah, that is <laughs> um, so true. And, and there's so many of them. There's just so many different ways to word it. And, and it gets really frustrating seeing these job advertisements. Also, the one that I see a lot of people fall into is somebody looking for TFP work. So somebody looking for, um, so a business, a business mm -hmm. looking for somebody to do something for free, but it's a business. If you're a business and you're going to be making money off something that somebody's doing, you should pay them. <laughs> do not Absolutely. do a job where it says we're looking for a, a videographer or uh, maybe a photographer or whatever to come on board and do something for free for our business. It's like, no, that's not how this works. Like, I'm running a business too. I should be, you know, deserving of pay as well. Um, that's another red flag. But, yeah, there, there's so many. There's 
way too many. <laughs> I could probably that, that, make another video out of it too. <laughs> well, I, I would definitely watch that video because um, it's, uh, I'm sure it's a problem industry-wide. It's not unique to Australia. I mean, that's a huge problem here in the and States it's, too. People I mean, it's not always unique. looking. Yeah, it's not unique to to the film industry either. It's It's kind of here, there and everywhere in every industry around the world. So everybody wants something for nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Oh man. So how would, um, your experience, um, I mean, we're already kind of talking about it cause your experience influences some of your video topics, but how does your experience in the film industry, um, I'm curious affect or impact your workflow when you're making your, your videos? Uh, it can, <laughs> one thing that I wish that I did before I started this YouTube channel is, pre-record a bunch of videos. Um, I only recorded one and then edited one and thought, great, and then put it up and I didn't think about, oh, I have to do this weekly. Oh, consistency <laughs> um, is so hard. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's so hard. It's really, really difficult to do. So um, that's the, the one problem is I'm always trying to play catch up. Uh, I've got a video as we're recording right now. I have a video that I need to record today that has to go up at 2 a.m. my time. So I, uh, I just, I, you know, I just run out of time very easily. And because it's freelance, it's like you get a phone call three days beforehand, you've got a job. Uh, and then it's like, well, rest of my schedule's out now because I've yep. had, to, I have to go prep the gear. I have to go do a location recce, whatever. Uh, everything gets thrown out because of my career, but I don't, I don't really mind because YouTube, like I, I don't call myself a YouTuber because this isn't, this isn't what I do full time and it's not something I want to do full time. It's something that is on the side just for fun. So my audience are really accepting of that as well. There's been a number of times where I've been like, oh, you know, there's no video this week. And I'll do that out of courtesy of, you know, if people are like, hey, I haven't seen anything from her in a while. You know, there's a post on, on online that says I haven't been able to upload this week. But everybody's like, you don't need to tell us. It's totally fine. Like, it's all good. You go do your thing. And they understand. So th that's really nice as well. It's, um, a lot of people who do YouTube get really hung up on that, uh, not, not being able to keep to that consistency. But um, the truth is nobody really nobody really cares. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I really, your audience will still be there. Yeah. <laughs> right? The algorithm not may not anywhere. like you, but your audience will still be there. <laughs> exactly. Um, so... I, you know, I hadn't asked you and, and I'm curious, but what, what is your favorite type of, um, style to shoot? Like what, what projects do you like to work on? Um, I really enjoy music videos simply because they're so creative. Um, you can pretty much do whatever you want with them. Uh, you can really get into it. Um, which, which is something I enjoy. Um, and there's always like a lot of the music videos that I work on are, are, lower budget too. So working to a budget at the same time as doing something weird um, and crazy is a lot of fun. Um, I also, I'm trying to, the ultimate goal really is to try and get into uh, doing commercials and maybe doing series as well. That would be brilliant. But, um, and I, I really do enjoy commercials and commercials are equally as creative. Well, probably not. Well, yeah, kind of, yeah, they're, yeah, they're similar to music videos in how creative they are. Um, so that's kind of the way that I want to go and the, the projects that I like to shoot are the creative styled ones. Um, yeah, so right now I'm really focusing on doing those creative narrative work. So 
trying to couple doing short films, uh, doing spec commercials, uh, doing normal commercials, um, just just getting all that creative stuff to, to do, I reckon, is, is more of my jam. I don't really dabble in the doco. I have done docos in the past and they've been great and I will still do docos in the future, but I don't really do them. So from coming from someone, me, that has zero interest in uh, shooting music videos, right? I have no interest in learning how to shoot a music, music video. No interest whatsoever. I'd rather shoot a documentary or, or, or tell, tell a story or find an interesting story to tell. And you still do that through music videos because you're telling the story that you're putting a, a visual aspect to the story that um, was written into music, which is still really interesting. But I mean, how do you even approach that uh, initially to put visuals to a music, to a song? Well, the, um, the fun thing about that is uh, I work with some really talented directors um, and this is something I really would stress that every director does. Write a treatment because your DP is going to know exactly what you want and it's going to be so much easier to shoot. Um, every director that I've worked with has written uh, for, for music videos, has written a treatment. I have done a couple of projects where, uh, that weren't music videos that a director hasn't written something. And it's been so difficult to try and work out, uh, to the point where sometimes it, it has been impossible. Um, and we haven't been on the same page, but with music videos specifically, the director has this vision, this amazing vision. They know exactly what they want. And the, I, I don't know if it's just me that I've been lucky to work with these sort of directors where they're just like, I know exactly what I want. Here's how we're going to do it. Um, but then they still give you the creative freedom to throw in ideas and be like, hey, well, what if we do it like this? Or uh, have you thought about uh, shooting it this way or whatever? Um, yeah, I, I think I've just been incredibly lucky to, to have those sort of people um, to, to bounce ideas off and they've had a really solid idea from the start. So it's been really easy to just jump in and do it for them. That's, that's awesome. You got to work with somebody that has, has a good vision on how the project is going to sure. go. And I think that was a, one of your tips in one of your videos too, right? About how important teamwork is yeah. on set. Yeah. So, I, I mean, can you kind of expound on that and, and, um, maybe, how does a project go when there isn't teamwork and how does that get solved when there is teamwork? It's uh, projects go terribly when there isn't teamwork. Um, I have had a few experiences in my career with, um, with directors who don't really have a solid vision uh, and then kind of tread on your toes a little bit. So it, they tend to be the people who are kind of jack of all trades, understand a little bit of everything, but don't have um, don't have that industry knowledge to to know how to convey what they want, uh, and it can be incredibly difficult to to deal with that. And there have been times where I've had to walk away from a project because of that sort of relationship. And and that's where you got to try and protect yourself um, because you can you can see that this relationship isn't going to work. This teamwork isn't going to happen. Uh, so I've got to I've got to go. Um, but yeah, it, it's amazing when like you do meet that one person who's just like, I know what I want. I know how to explain what I want. If I don't know how to explain what, what I want, I'm going to, you know, pull out my phone and show you a frame and be like, yeah, this is where I want the camera to be. Um, 
there are so many different tools available to directors now that you don't need to have the right language to to say what you want. There are different ways you can do it. Uh, and I think that's a really important thing to, to take up as a, D, as a director working with a DP. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, there are so many tools and, and just being able to, to put a treatment together that has uh, visual images of reference points yeah. is so important. Um, yeah. Not even when working with a DP, but just really working with anybody on any project, whether you're a videographer, a DP, a filmmaker, to be able to yeah. communicate that to your clients, to your team is so important. Not even not even people who are working in camera. Like you could be talking to an art director or, or somebody who's doing the set design um, and that, that sort of stuff can be super duper helpful. Um, like, yeah, like I said, like one of the projects that I had to walk away from, or, you know, <laughs> we parted ways, um, there was none of that. And in the initial meeting, you know, there was a great script and that's all good. And I can have my own interpretation of that script. That's fine. But, um, you know, that director didn't have uh, any visual ideas or, or like, you know, you ask them, hey, what's your references? That's one of the things that I ask always in the first meeting is like, do you have any references or any any films or any photos, paintings, whatever that kind of helped me with the visuals for, for this script? Uh, and he was like, oh, no, I don't really know. I knew you'd ask that, but I don't really know. And I never got that that visual aspect to the film. So it was really, really hard to interpret what we had to do on the shoot um, because, yeah. you know, I've got this this idea and I'm just piloting by just setting up and going, okay, well, I think this looks good, but I don't know how it's going to match anything else. And, and you know, I'm not getting that communication from this director, so how do I, how do I handle this? Like how do I work this out? Um, yeah, it can be really difficult when that teamwork's not there and, and it all stems from really good previs and working in, in pre-production. Yeah, that is so important, you guys. I yeah. mean, that is uh... – listen to what Felicia is saying. I, we've all been there. Look for those red flags when you work with somebody, even, I mean, even if it's a client, right. That can't communicate what they want. Um, you're just at like, it, I mean, it can be difficult to walk away from work, but walk away <laughs> because you're just yeah. asking for a nightmare. And that project's going to take you way more time than you had budgeted for that. And in the long run, it's not going to be worth it. So, um, no, you got to look not, for those red even, flags. Yeah, not even financially either. Like mentally it can be horrible. Like after that shoot, I felt horrible for months because I kept trying to be like, well, did I do something wrong? It's like, yeah, maybe I could have handled it differently. Yeah, sure. Right. But also there's so many red flags there. Why didn't I just walk away? Because clearly we weren't going to work well. Yeah, I mean, and you brought – it was another one of your videos too. You brought it up about how as a creative, as someone that works with a camera – it is so important, like motivation is such a huge part of the creative aspect and it's not, it's not always easy to be motivated. And so when you're working on a project, right, where there is no direction, and I think a lot of times people, when they hire somebody that operates a camera, they're expecting them to have the, the direction and the, the way the project should go, but it, it, that's not the case. We're supposed to help craft uh, that, that vision that's been given to us. Yeah. And, um, yeah. it can be difficult. It can be difficult. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So what tips do you have for someone that's looking to break in to the industry? You've, you've been in it for a long time. Um, you put yourself out there to, to, for all these opportunities that have, have paid off and there's still, uh, many opportunities out there for you. So what, what yeah. tips do you have for someone that's trying to 
trying to, you know, follow kind of in your, in your footsteps to, to get in and be a DP or, or a cinematographer? I think, um, I know that people can just jump straight ahead and, and start shooting and that's fine. Uh, but it doesn't work out for everybody. And I think that's an important thing to, to take note of is not everybody is able to jump straight to being a DP. Not everybody is going to end up staying in the film industry because it might be too difficult for their way of life, for the way that they handle their, their daily life. Um, it is a really tough industry to be a part of. It is a tough industry to, to really get a, a foot in the door. Uh, but I think the important thing is to just keep trying. And if you want to go down the path of being a DP, I would highly recommend, even if it's for a short period of time, being a camera assistant. Because I think I've learned more about lighting while being a camera assistant than I have being a DP and working on multiple projects because you get that chance. I mean, I know you're very busy as an assistant, very busy, but there are moments where you can sit back and you can be like, oh, this is how they light this sort of scenario. This looks really cool. I'll take note of of what this looks like for my own future projects. Um, And there have been plenty of moments like that. Like I was (laughs) um, camera assistant uh, on a, a daily camera assistant. So I was just, just filling in for a day cause I had an extra camera on a big feature film. Can I mention feature film names and all that in your podcast? Sure. Why not? <laughs> um, <laughs> great. Um, so I was filling in, uh, for a day because they needed an extra camera on a big feature film that was shooting in Melbourne, uh, called Winchester. Um, and, we we were like D camera or something. I don't know. We were in the, I think we didn't even, we probably had one shot. I can't even remember now, but we were just sitting around most of the day. But I got to watch Ben Knott, ACS, do, ACS or ASC? I think he's ACS. Um, do these huge lighting setups in a big studio in Docklands. And just the amount of, the amount of lights there, the amount of diffusion there, the way that it works, like, all, none of it was direct light. And I'm like, that's cool. I think that's a really interesting way to light. And then, you know, when you're standing there with the slate uh, ready to, you know, I I was, I filled in for one of the, the other camera assistants and I uh, marked one of the cameras, but, you know, um, you have, uh, you have like Helen Mirren, Helen Mirren, man, I'm forgetting now. Is it Helen Mirren in that? Anyway, you have the actress sitting there. Um, and she's just like, I really love the way you light me, Ben. And it's like, yeah, like, this is amazing. It's so flattering. Like, why didn't I think <laughs> it's just incredible? I'm totally going to use this. You know, you have all these big name actors complimenting the way that the light setup is um, because it's just it's just that interesting and that unique and that good that you're like, yeah. So I think it's totally sidetracked. But I think that that sort of experience being a camera assistant, being able to sit by and be like, wow, this is such a cool lighting setup. I'm going to use this in my next film is, is something that, you know, everybody should really do. So being a camera assistant before becoming a DP is a great idea. Um, you, you end up learning a lot. And not only that, but you also end up learning about how the whole camera department works, the hierarchy and everything and, and what to say, uh, to certain people to get certain things, like how to use the walkies, how, how everything works together. Um, and you can definitely tell the difference between somebody who hasn't assisted and they're now a DP and somebody who has and is now a DP. Yeah, I think that, I mean, that you 
you brought out such a good point on how valuable it is to learn all aspects of the camera department, to learn what everybody is doing on set, to learn everybody's job and what they do and how that affects the end result will only make you better. Even if that's not, maybe you're not doing lighting, maybe you're not doing audio, maybe you're, you know, but knowing how that works and how they interact with each other is going to be so important and going to just set you up in such a better way to be successful moving forward. For sure. So Felicia, how, um, thanks for coming on the show. How can uh, people find your channel and, and follow your journey into filmmaking? Uh, it's actually strange. I think I'm going to be changing the name of my channel. So I won't give my channel link kind of thing, but I will say that you can find me on pretty much any social media. I'm more active on Instagram than I am on Twitter. I don't really touch my Twitter, but it's at Felicia Cine, F-E-L-I-C-I-A, Cine, C-I-N-E. Uh, and there should be a link to my YouTube channel there, but yeah, that's, um, that's the best way to find me is Instagram, I reckon. Awesome. Well, we'll link everything down in the show notes. Guys, go check out Felicia's work. Check out her channel. Uh, check out her Instagram page. She is an absolutely amazing creative. You're going to learn a lot from uh, checking out her videos and, and following her journey. Thanks for listening each and every week. And if you haven't done so, make sure you leave a five-star rating in the Apple Podcast Player if that's where you're listening. And a written review helps as well. I appreciate it. And I'll talk to you guys next week.